So today we come to Exodus chapter 6, moving right along through the book of Exodus. As I've mentioned in the past, and I, as I'm, I am recording this, and as I mentioned for those that listen to the recordings, if you didn't hear last week's teaching, I won't be going back in chapter 5 or talking about it at all this morning, but the teachings are available on our website at aloveoutreach.com or soundcloud.com slash aloveoutreach, and they're also available on iTunes by searching A Love Outreach. And for those that do listen online, you can contact me personally at Pastor Dave at aloveoutreach.com if you have any questions or if we can pray for you in any way. But let's go ahead and jump on into verse 1, Exodus chapter 5 and verse 1. It says, Afterward, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness. And Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord that I should obey his voice to let Israel go? I do not know the Lord, nor will I let Israel go. Now, I have to pause and say something here. Um, I know it's going to sound crazy, but but what I have to say is actually in defense of what Pharaoh says here. Now, don't get me wrong. He is still a, the bad guy in this story and will be in a, in a sense. But what he says here is true. He says a, a few things here, but two things that Pharaoh says in verse 2 are very important facts, I think, to us today to realize. He says, who is the Lord that I should obey his voice? And the other thing he says is, I do not know the Lord. You see, you folks here today, and even some of you that are listening to the recording of this teaching, some of you have come to the knowledge of the Lord. You have come to know Him as both your Lord and your Savior. So for you and for me, we should obey His voice. And again, I've brought it up for the last couple of weeks how God has spoken to us in these last days through His Son, Jesus Christ. We find that in the book of Hebrews. But those that have been born again should know the voice of the Lord God today. But the world today is also full of people that have not been born again. They do not know the Lord, so how can they know His voice? Pharaoh was obviously not a man that sought to know the Lord in his life. He was a man of the world. Knowing the Lord was not something that mattered to Pharaoh, and we will see that more and more as we go along. So if he didn't know the Lord, then how could it have been expected of him to know the voice of the Lord? Now, I want to expound on these points that I'm bringing up here a little more and bring this topic on into our New Testament lives today. Turn in your Bibles now to the Gospel of John. Let's mark this page and turn to the Gospel of John, chapter 10.
John chapter 10. And let's start by first looking down at verse 27. In verse 27 here, Jesus says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Now, just to keep you on track here, I'm pointing out to you why it is understandable that Pharaoh didn't know the voice of the Lord God. And I'm bringing, in, bringing this into our world today as followers of Jesus Christ. Again, Jesus says here, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Jesus points out three things for us here. First of all, he is speaking of his sheep, right? And his sheep, he says, hear his voice. He knows who his sheep are and his sheep follow him. Now, there is a clear distinction made in scriptures between those that know the Lord and those that do not. Pharaoh, back in Exodus chapter 5, was simply being honest about the fact that he did not know the Lord God. But let's go back now in this chapter here, and I want to get the context of what Jesus is talking about here that we just read. So staying here in chapter 10, let's now go back to verse 1. Jesus speaking in verse 1 of chapter 10, most assuredly I say to you. Okay, so Jesus is saying this is a definite fact. Most assuredly. Nothing is going to ever change what Jesus is about to say here. Most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Okay, now let's pause right here, and let me fill in some of the blanks that uh, you may have in your mind now as it pertains to the story or the illustration that Jesus is using here. You see, in the time that Jesus walked the earth, back in those days, sheep were a very, very important part of the lives of the people of Israel here. From, from the sheep, of course, they obtained food and clothing. The economic welfare of a family in that day was based on how much sheep they actually owned. So Jesus is using an analogy here to illustrate a very important point to them. He wants to show the people of Israel that he is the shepherd that truly cares for them and wants to always take care of them. But at the moment, they are not understanding what Jesus is really trying to get across to them. Verse 6 here says Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now, before we read more here of what Jesus has to say, uh, let me again continue to kind of fill in the blanks so we'll have a better understanding of what this illustration, what Jesus is doing here using this illustration. You see, in that day, a sheepfold was a big enclosed area where sheep were kept overnight. 
This sheepfold had high walls made of stone where they would be protected, the sheep would be protected from other wild animals and such and thieves. You see, during the day, of course, these sheep would be out grazing in the fields, but at night they would be brought into this sheepfold. And this sheepfold was a a common sheepfold, meaning that uh, all the sheep of the families in that village would be gathered into that same place, that one place, the same sheepfold. So then Jesus is now going to explain something else to them, starting in verse 7. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. So Jesus is still using this illustration of the sheepfold. And he is explaining to them that thieves and robbers did not enter through the door of the sheepfold, but rather they would climb over the wall to get to the sheep. And there was only one door to the sheepfold, and that door was guarded by a doorkeeper. He made sure that nothing happened to the sheep during the night. Jesus said there in verse 8 that there were others that came before him, men that tried to get people to follow after them, but they were not the real deal. And the sheep, the true sheep, did not listen to their call. Those men were thieves and robbers, and they only would do harm to the people spiritually. Right? They came to kill, to destroy Often we equate this verse with Satan, and it wouldn't be untrue of Satan if we did call him a thief and a robber, because he does indeed kill and destroy people spiritually. But Jesus here is simply pointing out that he is the true, the one and only shepherd to whom we are to heed his voice. He's the only one we are to listen to. In verse 10, we see that he came to give us life, and he came to give us life more abundantly. And he did so, as we see in verse 11, by laying down his life for us. Jesus is the door, the one and only way to eternal life. Your religion won't get you there. Your church won't get you to eternal life. Only Jesus will. But getting back to the analogy of the sheepfold, let me explain a little bit more. When the night was over and the morning had come, the shepherds of that day would show up at the entrance of the sheepfold door, right? And the watchman, the doorkeeper, would let them in, right? And the shepherds would then call out to the sheep and the sheep that belonged to them would recognize their voice and follow after them. Even though there were hundreds of sheep there, each sheep would know the voice of their shepherd personally. There was no confusing. It wasn't confusing for them. They knew the voice of their shepherd. It's amazing that even though other shepherds would be calling out, the sheep knew 
the one that was their true shepherd. They would not respond to other voices. They knew the voice of their shepherd. Jesus says in verse 12, but a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my sheep, and am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. So Jesus is expressing here that, again, that he is the one true shepherd sent by God, and he is one with God. He will lay down his life for the sheep, the lost sheep, the lost people of Israel. But not only them, he says that there will be other sheep that are not of this fold, not of the fold of Israel, not Jews, right? These two will hear the voice of Jesus and come to him. And today, the name of Jesus continues to go forth not only to the lost sheep of Israel, not only to the Jews, but also to the Gentiles as well. And he has laid down his life for all the people of the world. And today, we live in a time where whosoever will can call on the name of the Lord and be saved, right? And Jesus continues in verse 17 and says, Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down and I have power to take it again. This command I have received from my Father. So at this point in time, as Jesus is speaking here, he already knew his future. Remember, he is God in the flesh, the word that was there in the beginning of creation, the spirit of God that spoke all things into being. He became flesh and dwelt among us. You can go back to John chapter 1 and read that. And he would be crucified. He would be buried and dead, but he would not remain in the grave. He would rise again. So the question today then is, what do we do with this Jesus? What choice will you make as it pertains to who Jesus really is? Well, let's look at what these people said in verse 19. It says, therefore, there was division again among the Jews because of these sayings. And many of them said, he has a demon and is mad. Why do you listen to him? Others said, These are not the words of one who has a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? So as we read verses 20 and 21 there, where do you fall in this debate? Do you ask, why do people follow this Jesus guy? Do you say, ah, he's just a crutch to them? That's all that whole Jesus thing is. I don't need Jesus. I'm okay. That's for you. That's not for me. I'm a good person. I'll get to heaven. Or do you say, no, there really is something more to this Jesus. I really do believe that he is the one who is who he said he was, and I need him in my life. And Jesus will open the eyes of people 
the eyes of the blind, the spiritually blind, that they may see the truth and that they may know things they've never known before. But let's read more, verse 22. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Keep in, keep in mind the illustration, right? And I give them, verse 28, and I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. So let's kind of summarize what Jesus said in those last six verses there. And please take the time to meditate on the Word of God yourself. Don't, as I mentioned last week and as I often mention, don't just take my word for it. Let the Lord speak to you in your own heart through His Word. He wants you to know His voice personally. But Jesus here is assuring them that once again, he, He's assuring them of the fact that He is the Christ. He is the Savior of the world. The one and the only way to eternal life. People today keep asking these same kind of questions here. They ask, is this religion the right religion? Is this religion the right religion? Should I be Catholic, Methodist, Baptist, Presbyterian, Lutheran? Should I be non-denominational? Should I be Muslim? Should I be Jehovah Witness or Mormon? And on and on and on and on it goes, right? But there is only one way. The Bible, which is the Word of God, prescribes no other way to eternal life. It's Jesus and Jesus only. There in verse 27, Jesus makes it clear that his sheep will hear his voice. He knows them and they follow him. If you know the voice of the Lord as your shepherd, you will then follow him as your shepherd and he will know you. Then no one will snatch you out of his hand. But if you go astray, or if you are one that has never even come to know the voice of the Lord at all, then you will be devoured by the wolves. Maybe you follow a false doctrine. Maybe you follow a religion. Anything other than following Jesus. Anything other than following Jesus will lead you astray. And you can be devoured by wolves. And you can walk out and you can be destroyed. But if you follow Him, if you know His voice... And if you continue to follow him, then no one will ever snatch you out of his hand, right? And wolves are in the world today. And wolves are in the church. These are men and women that appear to be sheep, but they're actually leading many people to destruction through false doctrines. Sound doctrine is found in the word of God alone. And I really could expound a lot more on that, but it's in the Word of God alone. Why do I stress that? Because there are those that even use the Word of God today, but then they add some stuff to it. 
And it comes up to be a, a whole different picture than what's just simply in the Word of God today. So I exhort people and, and tell them, hey, stick to just the Word of God. It's sufficient. It's all right there. You know, today there's all kinds of movements within that which would be called the church today. You know, all kinds of crazy things going on. And it's being done in the name of worship. And people are following in the ways of worship music. And it all sounds like such good music and things like that, you know. And then you go to their church and they've got gold dust falling from the ceiling. And now this church, this church in California called Bethel, they're doing what's called grave sucking, going out and laying on the grave of Charles Spurgeon and different people and, and drawing out their power from, from there, you know. So, and these people start out with what seems to be around the Word of God, right? Or it looks like it appears to be. And then they add all this other crazy stuff to it. So I'm just, I didn't mean to expound on this, but it is very important that we stick to just the Word of God alone. And it's very important that, like I said, when a man or person stands up and teaches something like I'm doing, that you yourself say, is this true? Is what he's teaching right? Should, should I go question it? Yeah, you should. You should go question it. You should go study it yourself, and you should read it, right? Because in the Word of God is the only place we'll find truth. You won't find it in me or any other pastor or any other teacher. So don't lift up your pastor. Don't lift up the priest. Don't lift up any religion, any bishop, any one person. You can know the voice of the Lord yourself. Okay. Again, Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through Him. So you don't need the voice of a pastor. You don't need the voice of a priest or any other religious leader in that sense. Yes, there are people that God has placed in the body of Christ to do the kind of thing that I'm doing, but I'm not the Lord. I'm just the man who simply does what I do by faith. But you simply need to know the voice of Jesus, and then you must choose to obey that voice. That's a whole other thing, right? You, you know the voice, you choose to obey the voice, just like the sheep in that sheepfold. They hear the shepherd calling, and they follow that voice. And then that shepherd then leads them through their life. He's the good shepherd, right? But there's only one that you follow after. And all that you ever need to hear is contained in the pages of the Bible. And 1 Peter 1.23 tells us that it is through the Word of God that we are born again. And once you are born again, by repenting of your sin and coming to the Lord Jesus, He will then give you His Holy Spirit to indwell you, and He will then lead and guide you through this life. The Holy Spirit, Jesus said, will not testify of Himself. The Holy Spirit's not going to tell you anything different. The Holy Spirit's just going to bring you into remembrance of all that Jesus said and did. Okay? So, now, tying this all back together to the Scriptures in Exodus chapter 5. Let's go ahead and turn back there. Exodus chapter 5. Pharaoh said something that I just expounded on. Okay? He did not know the voice of the Lord because he did not know the Lord. You cannot know the voice of the Lord without knowing the Lord, 
right? And you cannot know the Lord until you have repented of your life of sin, of repented of that life where you are the shepherd of your life. Repented of that life where you do what you want to do and you lead your way through this life. Jesus told Nicodemus, of course, in John chapter 3, that you must be born again, right? Born of the Spirit. So if you have not been born again or, or if you have been a half-hearted Christian, then you need to make a choice in your life as to who Jesus really is. It's not about religion. It's about knowing Jesus personally, knowing His voice, and being an active follower of His. So Moses and Aaron, back here in Exodus chapter 5, meet with Pharaoh, and Pharaoh really couldn't care less about the Lord God that they speak of. But Moses and Aaron continue to try to convince him And verse 3 continues and says, So they said, The God of the Hebrews has met with us. Please let us go three days' journey into the desert and sacrifice to the Lord our God, lest He fall upon us with pestilence or with sword. Then the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why do you take the people from their work? Get back to your labor. And Pharaoh said, Look, the people of the land are many, and you make them rest from their labor. So Pharaoh here is not concerned with God's business. He's concerned only with his business, the work that he wants these people to do. He thinks Moses and Aaron coming to him is nothing more than a distraction for the slave people, the Hebrews that are under his charge. And you know, we can relate this attitude to many people in our world today, too busy, for the things of God. They don't know him again, therefore they don't know his voice, and they really are too busy with making their own way in this world to care about the will of God for their lives. The answer was simple here. These are God's people, Pharaoh, just let them go. But the answer wasn't simple for Pharaoh, was it? Again, he didn't know the Lord. He didn't know the voice of the Lord. But if you profess to be a Christian, then you have no excuse in not knowing the will of the Lord. For His will is plain to see in His Word. And you will ultimately be responsible for the state of your own soul. Again, no religious leader is able to stand on your behalf when it comes to eternal life. You know that the Lord is the only door, right? And that He must be our focus. So, What does Pharaoh do here in verse 6? So the same day Pharaoh commanded commanded the taskmasters of the people and their officers saying, You shall no longer give the people straw to make brick as before. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. And you shall lay on them the quota of the bricks which they made before. You shall not reduce it. For they are idle. Therefore, they cry out saying, let us go and sacrifice to our God. Let more work be laid on the men that they may labor in it and let them not regard false words. So do you see what Pharaoh is saying here? There is no God. These people are just lazy and they need to get their minds on work and off of this whole worship God thing, right? They're simply believing false words. So he gives an order to make their work harder for them to do. 
So it's like those people today that say, oh, there's no God. The Bible is just a bunch of stories. People are wasting their time believing in that stuff. Why do they spend their time thinking about worshiping God, right? They need to just <coughs> shut up and, and make their own way through this life. Just eat, drink, and be merry. Just party on, dude. Just enjoy this life, right? But when you know God and you know the voice of God, your life is completely opposite than that, right? You're not like Pharaoh. You're like Moses. You are simply walking in obedience to God, even if the world or others around you think that you're strange for doing it. But God will eventually show himself mighty on your behalf, just as he will do in the lives of the Hebrews, as we will see. But the story continues in verse 10, and the taskmasters of the people and their officers went out and spoke to the people saying, thus says Pharaoh, I will not give you straw. Go get yourself straw where you can find it, yet none of your work will be reduced. So the people were scattered abroad throughout all the land of Egypt to gather stubble instead of straw. And the taskmasters forced them to hurry saying, fulfill your work, your daily quota as when there was straw. Also, the officers of the children of Israel, whom Pharaoh's taskmasters had set over them, were beaten and were asked, Why have you not fulfilled your task in making bricks both yesterday and today as before? Then the officers of the children of Israel came and cried out to Pharaoh, saying, Why are you dealing thus with your servants? There is no straw given to your servants, and they say to us, Make brick. And indeed, your servants are beaten, but the fault is your own people. But he said, you are idle, idle. Therefore, you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Therefore, go now and work, for no straw shall be given you. Yet you shall deliver the quota of bricks. And the officers of the children of Israel saw that they were in trouble after it was said, you shall not reduce any bricks from your daily quota. Then as they came out from Pharaoh, they met Moses and Aaron and stood there to meet them. And they said to them, let the Lord look on you and judge because you have made us abhorrent in the sight of Pharaoh and in the sight of his servants to put a sword in their hand to kill us. Okay, so now I just read a lot of verses there. I don't normally go through that many without stopping. But they're all pretty self-explanatory here. We get the picture. We understand the story. The work was hard, actually pretty much impossible. The daily quota was the same, but the materials needed were few and far between. Pharaoh was doing this simply to keep their minds off of worshiping God. That's what was behind it. He didn't want their minds on worshiping God, right? And the truth of the matter is that if you are too focused on work, if you are too focused on earning money, then you too will end up being too busy to focus on God. You see, work is something that is not easy to do. That's why it's called work, nor is it always fun. And of course, it's necessary, and it's something that God wants us to do, but it's never meant to consume us. Work is a blessing when it doesn't own you. 
The priority should be God first and then everything else. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 6.33 that the order should be that we seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then what did He say? He said, and all these other things will be added unto you. And all the other things that will be added unto us that He spoke of were things like food and clothing and your shelter, the things that you need in this life. But today, in many cases, work has destroyed people and destroyed many families, not because work is bad, but because rather than being viewed as a blessing from God, it is, be, it is being used as a means to greediness. People work, people buy, people work, people buy, people work, people buy, people go into debt, and then they're slaves to the world. They're slaves to their lenders, and, and ultimately their minds are no longer on worshiping God because they're too consumed with everything else. And that's what Pharaoh was trying to get them to, to do here. Don't be focused on God. Do more work, right? But there's nothing more important than worshiping God in this life. Nothing more important than who we are spiritually. Now, let me show you here another parable of Jesus this morning. Go ahead and mark this page and turn to the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. We're going to look down at verse 13. Jesus is speaking to a crowd of people here. And in verse 13, it says, Then one from the crowd said to him, so I'm in Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take heed. And beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now pause right there for a moment. I'm sure that every one of you here this morning agrees with the statement of Jesus there in verse 15 where he says that one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I'm sure you all agree with that. But do you live like it? Are you worried and concerned over things that you either have or don't have? Uh, in this case, it's people fighting over, in this story here, it's, it's people fighting over the splitting up of an inheritance. But what about your everyday life? Do the things you own or the things that you want to own, does this consume your mind? Do the things that you possess, the money that you have, do they possess you? First of all, Jesus wants nothing to do with this subject, right, as he answers the question. This is not who he is or why he came. But he's going to go ahead and set them straight now. As we read this, let it sink in and, and, and let it maybe work on setting us straight as well, right? Verse 16 then he spoke a parable to them, saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself, saying, 
What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all of my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Now pause right there. This is what people working today for retirement, right? And trying to get to in our day and age, right? This is what, this is what they're like. That day when they finally come, right? When they can finally retire, right? So that's what they're looking for. So they work and they work and they worry and they worry and they get on blood pressure medicine and they get on anxiety medicines and and they drink to relax, drink alcohol to relax or whatever, all that so someday they can take their ease and retire with the good life. But do you remember what we read earlier? That Jesus comes to give us abundant life. He's the good shepherd. He's the one that wants to give that to us now. But our focus needs to be on Him, right? And if our focus is on Him and we understand that He is our provider, right? He is the one that will bless us with all that we need. He's our good shepherd. He wants to take care of us, right? And then we avoid greed and we avoid striving for abundance. And then we find peace within us. And we live this life led by the voice of our shepherd and great God and Savior. Then when the day comes when our souls will be required of us, which all of us, for all of us, that day is coming, right? The day when we leave this world behind, we will then find eternal rest for our souls. But in this life, even though Jesus said in this life you will have tribulation, we can still have his peace in our hearts if we're not focused on the world so much, right? Because that peace comes from focusing on the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So what are you seeking today? Where is your focus? We are to be rich toward God, rich toward eternal things, and not striving for things that will someday just have to leave behind, like Jesus says in this parable. Whose will those things be? You're worried about all these things, and you're striving over all these things, and then you're just going to die. You know, other, uh, I don't remember who it is, some other pastor I've heard him say, you'll never see a a U-Haul at a funeral, right? You, you, You don't take it with you. You just leave it all behind. And as we flip back to Exodus chapter 5, life was hard for the Hebrews because they were slaves to Egypt. Today, life is hard for people that make themselves slaves to the world. But for the Hebrews, their deliverer was coming. Their deliverer was now on the scene. Moses was there. And for us, our deliverer has already come. He's come once. And we can know him in our hearts, thereby knowing peace within. And he is coming again to take us home 
to be with Him forever. But for now, we are in the world, but we must be careful to not be of the world. Don't be a slave to the world. Don't be a slave to the things of the world. So the people here in Exodus chapter 5 are not happy with Moses and Aaron at this point because they have made their present circumstances harder. And you know, this world will make it hard for the follower of Jesus Christ. This world will try to force you to be like it and to accept the things of it, right? It's not easy standing for God because when you do, by default, you are actually standing against the world. The world is becoming more and more of anti the Word of God more and more perverted every day. So again, the question for us is, where do we stand? And what do we stand upon? But let's finish out this chapter, verse 22 of Exodus 5. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Lord, why have you brought trouble on this people? Why is it you have sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people. Neither you or neither have you delivered your people at all. So I'm going to leave it there for this week. Let there be a little suspense. But there actually doesn't have to be any suspense for you because you have a Bible and you can go on and read the story yourself. But the fact of the matter is, is that God is not done with with the people, with his people here in this story. He has a plan and he has a his will will be done. It will come to fruition. And God's not done with you and me today either. He has a plan. And ultimately, His plan will unfold. But God has left mankind with a choice today. A choice to decide whom it is that you will serve. Will you serve the Lord? Will you come to the door to Jesus Christ to find eternal life? Will you follow after Him, hear His voice and Follow after him, and then will you listen to his voice and obey him as he leads you through this life by his Holy Spirit? Or will you choose your own way, your own religion? Remember, it's not Jesus plus your religion. It's not coming to Jesus through your religion. It's Jesus plus nothing. Lay it all down. Don't seek the treasures of this earth. Seek the living God who laid down his life for you so that you would have eternal life. He has an abundant life for you, but you must leave this world behind and come and follow after Jesus. The only answer is to know the Lord and to thereby know His voice. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord God, again, we thank You for Your holy Word, Your living Word, Lord. God, I pray that your word would be far more than something we read, Lord, far more than something we just participate in on, on Sunday mornings, Lord, but that it would consume us, Lord, that we would fix our eyes on you, the author and the finisher of our faith. It begins with you, it will end with you. And in between, Lord, we just continue to walk by faith in you. Lord, you know our hearts. You know each and every one of us here. You know the hearts of everyone listening to this teaching, Lord. And Lord, by your Spirit, you can work within us, Lord. If we are willing to yield, 
if we are willing to listen to your voice and to follow after you. I pray for those that are listening, those that have not come to faith in you. I pray that today would be the day of salvation, that they would understand that right now you are knocking on the door of their heart. Right now you are calling out to them. Right now you are saying, come and follow me. And your word says, all we like sheep sheep, have gone astray. We have all gone astray, Lord, and we all need a Savior. And that is you, the way, the truth, and the life. So we thank you for your love and your grace and your mercy. We thank you that you do not give up on us, that you continue to call out to us. May we be obedient and follow after you, Lord. We just thank you for this time in your word, this time together here this morning. In Jesus' name, amen.